The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo. In conversation with Shafiq Morden. Indeed, we are in conversation with, and it's time for our weekly Middle East report. Uh, it's done in partnership with the London-based Middle East Monitor. Where do you find them? You don't have to go there by airplane. You just go www.middleeastmonitor.com, and you'll be there. Twitter handle, Middle East MNT. Uh, coming up in today's show, Human Rights Watch report concludes Israel is an apartheid state committing apartheid against Palestinians. Tensions in Jerusalem as hundreds of Palestinians are injured by some crazies. Egypt executes 17 prisoners, including an 18-year-old, 80-year-old Quranic teacher. Online for comment is Memo Multimedia Journalist Jehan Alfara. Jehan, welcome. Thank you, Shafiq. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And I think the Human Rights Watch report really has made a big splash. It, it's getting a lot of coverage, it seems. It is, it is. I mean, um, you know, talking about apartheid, um, anyone looking at Israeli policies and behavior in Palestine really knows it's been said again and again, uh, whether by human rights groups, including actually an Israeli rights group, Beit Salem, um, a couple of months ago, um, they described Israel as an apartheid state uh, that perpetuates Jewish supremacy. And uh, we know also at the moment that um, Israel is in fact under investigation by the International Criminal Court as well for war crimes uh, committed against Palestinians. But um, but this report, you know, Human Rights Watch um, laid it out flat in this very, very comprehensive um, study. And um, it's basically examined Israel's treatment of Palestinians over the years. Um, and, and it concludes, as you said, that Israel um, is an apartheid, uh, is committing apartheid against Palestinians, and that uh, Israel's dominion over the lives of Palestinians um, more severely in the occupied territories, but also, you know, the Palestinian citizens of Israel is in fact apartheid and a crime against humanity, where you've got, um, you know, the Israeli government ruling over two different groups of people, roughly of the same size, and yet systematically and as a matter of um, state policy, um, privileging Jewish Israelis while uh, marginalizing and, and suppressing Palestinians. And uh, the report itself is it's uh, quite long. It's about 200 pages, 213 to be exact. And it looks in detail at years of um, documentation from case studies, you know, to uh, statements by officials and um, and government documents and so on. And, um, and it explains um, apartheid as a crime against humanity. Um, and they lay out three main elements. Um, of apartheid, they they said that the first element was intent um, to assert this domination by you know one racial group over the, uh, another, um, and the context of systematic oppression by the dominant group had to exist, and obviously inhumane acts. and And then the report you know goes on to give examples of these um, various elements as as perpetuated by Israel against Palestinians. You know, it looks at um, various laws that exclude Palestinians from, you know, hundreds of uh, small, um, pretty much Jewish towns, um, 
also lots of uh, discriminatory policies, you know, uh, state budgets, for example, that allocate, you know, only a fraction of resources to Palestinian schools compared to those, you know, serving um, Jewish-Israeli children. Um, the, um, the military rule imposed on the Palestinians in the occupied West Bank, while, you know, you've got Jewish-Israelis living in um, illegal settlements there, um, but they are, um, you know, given full rights under Israel's civil law uh, in comparison, um, you know, the restrictions of movement on, uh, on those living in Gaza. Uh, the confiscation of um, land in the West Bank, over a third um, of land in the West Bank um, by, you know, Israeli authorities, occupation authorities. And within Israel itself as well, you know, you've got the nation-state law, which, you know, set Israel out as the nation-state of the Jewish people, which by default, you know, marginalizes the, the Palestinian citizens of Israel and, and many other policies that are, you know, clearly in violation of international law. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, and, and yeah. Human Rights Watch actually called on global powers to, you know, make any sort of trade deals or arms sales to Israel, you know, conditional on the occupation, you know, taking real steps to, you know, end the commission of these crimes. Yeah, it's what I call a no place to hide report. It really is. Uh, it, it's kind of, yeah. um, uh, it's a watershed report, I think, and... Um, yeah, it, 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 I think what's significant about it is not necessarily that it uh, declares Israel an apartheid state. I think it mm. actually is more an indictment on the countries that have been supporting what's been going yeah. on all these years. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously, of course, um, Israel came out and condemned the report. Um, you know, they said it was false and they accused Human Rights Watch of anti-Israel bias. Um, but that's to be expected. I mean, every time somebody comes out, um, you know, you know, saying it as it is, you know, saying that, you know, these policies are uh, apartheid, uh, even, you know, a few years ago, I think um, uh, the head of the UN's Economic and Social Commission, um, she was forced to withdraw a report that accused Israel of imposing an apartheid regime and was then forced to resign. Um, and like I said, also Beit Salem recently, they called, you know, they said it was apartheid and they also, you know, had to deal with the, you know, all that, you know, condemnation and, you know, Israeli um, officials talking about it. But, you know, that that's, uh, I mean, just last week we were talking about this systematic demolition of Palestinian homes, weren't we? And, right, um, yes. Yeah, and in the context of that report, you know, you've got evidence. Um, and it shows, it presents that um, in a clear way that, you know, Israel is constantly trying to maximize, you know, the land um, for Jewish communities, but at the same time, and, you know, building more and more settlements, illegal settlements, and at the same time trying to limit, um, you know, Palestinian freedoms, concentrate them in specific dense, uh, you know, population areas, and, and um and, uh, you know, just in, in general, the, the policies that they uh, deal with the Palestinian uh, population, whether in the occupied territories or even the Palestinian citizens, it's, it's, it's very clear, you know, the discrimination and the, the, uh, the different ways in which they deal with either the Israeli, you know, the Jewish Israelis or the Palestinians. Absolutely. I mean, and, and nothing could be more uh, indicative or illustrative of this than the horrific, absolutely horrific footage of um, mm. Jewish Zionist crazies 
running mm. through the streets and beating up Palestinians and smashing a car. Um, yeah. y- you know, uh, xenophobia on steroids, one of the most horrific things I've seen for a very long time, that, that, yeah. that, that people in Israel have got the confidence that they can walk through the streets and bash Palestinians and not expect yeah. to get punished for it. Yep, not not just not expect to be punished, but even feel protection um, by Israeli forces who, you know, you know, always crack down on the Palestinians. Um, and at the same time, if there is a confrontation, say, um, whether it's what happened in Jerusalem, I mean, what happened uh, specifically was um, last week, you know, on Friday, you had a few hundred uh, Israeli settlers and far-right groups, you know, organize a march, actually chanting, you know, death to Arabs and, you know, um, doing all that um, near um, uh, one of the, you know, Damascus Gate. In, in Jerusalem, it's basically the main entry to the old city, um, and it provides access to Al-Aqsa Mosque, um, where Palestinians usually go, especially now in Ramadan, to, to pray. But since the start of Ramadan, actually, there's been a lot of restrictions placed by Israeli forces in occupied East Jerusalem, you know, trying to hinder the movement of Palestinians. Um, and um, and uh, these restrictions, you know, prevent them from religious activities now that we're in, you know, the whole month of Ramadan, um, or gatherings, and, and even night raids and attacks by both Israeli forces and settlers against Palestinians have been increasing, um, you know, especially after prayers at Al-Aqsa Mosque, you know. Those well, have been increasing since the start of the month, and, and now yeah. you've got these uh, settlers, you know, organizing this march. And, and of course, what's happened over the past um, few days since, since this march is um, obviously they're attacking Palestinians, they're assaulting Palestinians, they're, you know, chanting all these, you know, you know, hate-filled um, uh, statements. Then, of course, the Palestinians went and organized a counter-protest. Um, and when that happened, you know, this confrontation, you know, you had more than 100 Palestinians injured um, as a result of this. And, you know, you've got a few dozen of them also detained. In fact, I think over the past few few days, over 100 now uh, detained by Israeli forces who also use tear gas against the, the Palestinians to sort of disperse them and against the worshippers, um, and while at the same time trying to sort of push back the, the settler protests, you know, mounted officers on horses trying to push them back. But... Uh, it's clear, you know, uh, how they deal with the Palestinians and, and how they deal with um, with the with the Israeli settlers. Yeah, absolute brutality. Although um, I did see some footage of um, Palestinian youths um, destroying barricades that the yes. um, yeah. pol- the uh, Israeli police has set up, and um, uh, the police, I think, were so stunned for a couple of seconds they didn't know what to do. Um, <laughs> so, so that certainly was. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah basically, um, you know, you've got these marches and these settlers, you know, trying to sort of erase the Palestinian Muslim character of the holy city, right? And, you know, trying to make it harder and harder for the Palestinian. But as you said, all these videos, you can see them um, coming out, you know, this incredible sort of willpower and defiance um, of the Palestinian youth standing up to the settler attacks, um, but also defying and protesting against these restrictions placed by the occupation authorities in general. And and um, they managed to actually 
Israeli forces to withdraw from the area and, and, and remove these iron barricades that were designed, you know, and put in place to try and close the area to Palestinian worshippers, you know, and restrict their access to Al-Aqsa Mosque. Um, there were many scenes of, of, of celebration that came out. You see the youth, you know, celebrating um, uh, this withdrawal, even though actually it was short-lived. They, you know, Israeli forces did come back and sort of start to attack the protesters with tear gas and you know, flash uh, grenades and so on and, and detain some of them. But um, but it's, it's that willpower, right, to, to define, to sort of stay um you know, strong, and, and it's become part of life for Palestinians, really, in Jerusalem. They're always under pressure by Israeli authorities and by Israeli settlers, and, and this wasn't the first time that Israel tried to use, you know, metal barricades, um, as well as electronic gates, even, to before they've, they've used that to try and control the Palestinians and their, and their movement in Jerusalem. Um, but, you know, just like in the past, they've managed to defeat these measures and get them removed every time. Um yeah. Um, but yeah, but you've got this, this this provocation is continuous, whether it's by the you know the Israeli forces or the settlers. You know, you've got settlers now, you know, trying to uh, set fire to Palestinian homes as well, and you know, call for um, for those who protest to be killed. It's a, it's a bleak situation for Jerusalemites people, you know, Palestinian residents in Jerusalem. Um, but but um, they're definitely <laughs> staying strong in the face of all of that. Yeah, they're not going anywhere in a hurry. Let's let's face that. Um, yes, but you know, you know, this is the first time actually since um, we've talked about the UAE normalization deal with Israel previously, and this is the first time that the UAE, imagine the UAE, has come out now to sort of criticize um, these mobs of um, of uh, of Israeli far right groups and um you know extremist settlers um that come out and you know assaulted palestinians so the uae come out and said you know hey <laughs> we're concerned right <laughs> yeah well i mean so i it mean sort of shows uh, yeah. you it paints a picture for you that even the uae come out to, to criticize this yeah my prediction is that um these marriages um have are not going to last um yeah. uh, and that might be sort of just a little little tear in the fabric of it, uh, our last story, Jihan. Um, yeah. When you th- when you think things couldn't get worse in Egypt, that Sisi couldn't get worse, he does. S- s- Seventeen prisoners executed, including an eighty-year-old yeah. Quranic teacher. That that kind of blew me away. Um, yeah. Why do you want to execute an eighty-year-old man? I just have no idea. Well, you know, Shafiq, this is just, you know, the latest wave of mass executions in Egypt, you know, 17 prisoners. And it was done actually in complete secrecy um, uh, in the prison without notifying even the fam- their families in advance. Um, and these men were all convicted, including the 80-year-old. They were convicted of um, attacking a police station in, in 2013 and killing 13 policemen. Um, the case is known um, in the media as the uh, Kardasa massacre. But but there's been a lot of concern, you know, among human rights groups over you know due process and the convictions themselves. And, and many had said, had said now that, that these charges were um, were fabricated against these men. Uh, you know, the Arab Organization for Human Rights here in the UK said. 
that um, that the identity of the individuals who actually raided the station are still unknown to this day, and that Egyptian authorities actually did not present any concrete evidence uh, linking um, these men to that attack. Um, they also said that... Um, a lot of the confessions and testimonies were extracted under torture, um, and so they would be inadmissible, um, uh, you know, um, especially the Quran teacher, you know, an 80-year-old who has serious health problems as well, you know, very unlikely that he would have taken part in a, in a crime like that. But more than that, they've, you know, there, there's been eyewitnesses who said that he was nowhere near Kardasha police station on the day of the raid and actually refused to sign written statements confirming his participation. But Still, all of that was ignored by the courts, and um, and he was still executed. Um, and his lawyer even said that you know he he never committed a crime in his life. Um, but again, this is just another wave of crackdown on dissent, and, and mass executions have become you know the the norm, sadly. And and speaking of executions in Egypt, actually, um, a new report. Um, was published, I think, last week by Amnesty International uh, about the use of death penalty, and it showed actually that Egypt had seen a 300% rise in executions in 2020 compared to, you know, 2019, the year before, you know, which makes Egypt the world's third most um, frequent executioner after China and Iran. Um, but, yeah, and, and a lot of these executions, you know, are applied to political prisoners, you know, mostly tried in mass trials and tortured to extract confessions and to use as evidence. And at the moment, there's, like, an estimated um, 60,000 political prisoners or so in Egypt. And um, But, yeah, but, yeah, that's uh, that's become one of the main growing concerns of human rights groups all over the world now when it comes to Egypt. And, and recently, you know, a number of human rights groups, like, um, I think about a dozen or 14, 14 groups and NGOs, um, including Amnesty and Human Rights Watch, they called on uh, the Biden administration in the U.S. not to waive the human rights condition um, that apply to a, an aid package to Egypt. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's sad. It certainly is. Jihan Alfara, we have to leave it there. Multimedia journalist at Memo, the Middle East uh, Monitor. You can get them at three W's dot Middle East Monitor dot com, Twitter handle at Middle East MNT. And they will be back next Thursday and we'll be talking matters Middle East next Thursday with Memo. Jihan, thanks for chatting to us. Thank you, Shafiq. In conversation with Shafiq Morden. In an ever-changing